There's a story in John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress about a man who rakes muck and dirt. When an angel appears and offers him a celestial crown, the man cannot give up what he has grown so accustomed to doing, even for such a great reward. This week on the Scripture Study Project, we are studying three stories of sacrifice, and we will learn not only why it's important, but what the Lord would have us sacrifice, how to do it in a respectable way, and what results will come once we do. Welcome to the Scripture Study Project. We are your hosts, Krista and Zach Horton, and this is our podcast where we study Scripture with you. Our goal each week is to help you discover new or renewed excitement for God and His Word, invest your heart and personal life into your study, and connect with others as you teach and learn together. Hey everyone, welcome. Um, I wanted to start this week by um, laughing about our, um, we've done this before, but laughing about our recording situation. We are once Best again, one yet. we are once again on location. This time we're in our basement sitting on squishmallows because we're recording early in the morning and our kids are asleep. Um, we've always talked about having like this recording setup, like, oh, we'll, we'll you know, set up a, a desk in a designated place and, and have a, you know, sound barricade behind the microphone. And Well, I always dream of those microphones that have the cool extension arms that come around right in front of your face that would be really put on cool. the headsets and look really cool i've totally like well i planned on us having those and instead we record on squishmallows we, what's we, better i think squishmallows are better than all so we had a friend one year that said we should do like oh you guys should record like video record you do it you know do a youtube channel of you recording your podcast and and we thought oh that would be really good except then we'd have to actually like you know look good and get ready and, and have a cool setup so we would not have made it very far with a with a youtuber video would we no. <laughs> people would have loved the squish <laughs> that would have made our views go way up <laughs> maybe we could have gotten an endorsement from squish i think so all right so we're really excited to study genesis 3 through 4 um this week and I like this because I think it's a really healthy balancing companion study or some balancing companion principles to what we learned last week in Genesis 1 and 2. Last week, if you listened, we studied and learned about creation. How do I make things? This week, if you've looked ahead a little bit and noticed, it's all about sacrifice. How do I give things up or better said, how do I give things to God? And I think those are really two important, essential uh, balancing practices. We have to, if we're to become like uh, heavenly parents, we have to learn how to create things. But we also have to learn how to give things up, how to sacrifice and simplify. And so I noticed a pattern as I began my study this week. Um, There are three sacrifices, at least three sacrifices. Maybe you'll find more in your study but at least three sacrifices in these chapters. The first one is uh, from Adam and Eve as they choose to give up the Garden of Eden. And this is really where the Pearl of Great Price uh, offers some great help because if you just read the account in the Bible, and uh, and I read some Bible commentaries this week, uh, it's a pretty pessimistic beginning to the human family. Adam and Eve make this gigantic mistake. How could they give up paradise? And now we're all 
uh, in this horrible situation because of Adam and Eve's mistake. And luckily we have a savior who is this wonderful backup plan and saves us from everything. But none of that settles right. And so the Pearl of Great Price offers some additional insight into what Adam and Eve were thinking um, as they chose to leave the garden. Well, I think this is the part where the doctrine of our church really does differ and makes it more clear and understanding where I think, at least I think for us, as we were discussing this, just makes it, you really appreciate um, what the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints teaches about the fall. Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely a testimony to a living prophet, a seer, and a translator that can add um, add to scripture and, and add to the account. So, so that's the first sacrifice. The second sacrifice comes directly from the Pearl of Great Price, and it's it's Adam's burnt offering sacrifice once they leave the garden. And then the third sacrifice is perhaps the most interesting, at least to me, and it's Cain and Abel's sacrifice and the difference between them and the results because of them. As I looked at those three sacrifices, I noticed a simple pattern. First, all three of them begin, obviously, with the sacrifice. They have to give something up in order to move forward. Adam and Eve cannot stay in the garden if they're to progress. They have to give something up in order to move forward. Uh, the second part of the pattern is that after each of them offers sacrifice, each of them is questioned by the Lord. Right? Adam and Eve uh, eat of the fruit and then... Uh, the Lord comes down and asks Adam, where art thou? Or maybe a better translation, uh, Adam, where are you going? What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do with this? Um, Adam offers sacrifice after leaving the garden and the angel comes and asks, why are you offering sacrifice? And then uh, Cain and Abel offer their sacrifices. And then after Cain murders Abel, the Lord comes and again asks him, where is your brother? And so sacrifice, then question and then based on their responses to that question, there's a consequence. And I don't mean that in a negative term. I just mean there's a result, not just from the sacrifice, but from their response to why they offered the sacrifice. In the first two occasions, Adam and Eve and Adam's burnt offering sacrifice, their response is a faithful one. And because of that, there's hope in the response. Uh, the Lord outlines a path forward for them. In Cain's response, it's not a faithful response. And so uh, his the response to him, first the Lord does tell him, if you will do righteousness, you'll be uh, you'll you'll be good, you'll be it'll be well with you. But then of course he pronounces upon him cursings uh, because of Cain's response. And so with that simple pattern in mind, sacrifice, a question about why, and then uh, a response or consequence of that. We wanted to look at some questions about our own sacrifices to take from these accounts and ask ourselves, what should I sacrifice? Uh, what would make that sacrifice respectable? What would help the Lord have respect upon my sacrifice like he did on Abel's? And what are the results? What are the, the natural consequences that will come because of that sacrifice? I think this question really matters for us today. Um, what should we sacrifice? What's worth sacrificing? Our sacrifice that we make today in whatever form it is, is definitely going to look different than what it did for Adam and Eve thousands of years ago, but, or however long ago it was. But I will say that, um, 
I just couldn't help but think of of a few things that I've read online articles where a lot of times today I think we're we're hoping to sacrifice less or it's maybe trendy to sacrifice less um I don't know exactly how to explain that part of it, but the example that I found in an article recently that I ran across was, um, you know, wanting to make some changes, what, what the church could possibly change about it. And you can find hundreds of these types of articles online or opinions, of course, but um, it talked about the difference. For some reason, this one struck me that maybe we should be asked to pay less tithing. How about five or three percent versus the ten percent that we are currently asked to pay and and I just thought, you know, what is the difference really <laughs> between five or ten percent? Does that does that really make a difference? And obviously it does. There are people that really need every bit of their money and um and maybe I have different circumstances than someone else. Of course I recognize that. But I think it ultimately comes down to the question of of why and why we are sacrificing and what, what the sacrifice is for or who the sacrifice is for. And I think those are some of the questions that we hope to dig a little bit deeper into with this question of what should I sacrifice and how to do it. It always comes back for me to the why. Um, I'm not the one that's going to answer whether what percentage we should pay for tithing, but I think it's an interesting question for me. It caused me to think, why am I why am I giving that money and who am I giving it to? Well, and that's I think a great way to dive into the first question of, of what should I sacrifice. I noticed as I studied that in these three different accounts, there are different voices asking for sacrifice. For example, I know the Adam and Eve account uh causes a lot of head scratching, um, especially as we have the the increased light to know that this was a fall forward and not just a fall backward, because then we have to wrestle with, well, what really was Adam and Eve's transgression? It's called a transgression. We're comfortable with that. There's obviously something that went wrong, even though it was part of God's plan and it was a step forward. And part of the the transgression, part of that, I think, comes in who they listened to. Um, Moses chapter 4, there's one of my favorite descriptions of pre-mortal life. And I think it clarifies a lot of misunderstandings we might have about it. For example, I have heard over many years of teaching uh, people describe the plan of salvation this way, or the pre-mortal discussion about the plan of salvation this way. Well, God called a council and asked for people to propose plans. Jesus came forward and proposed his plan. Satan came forward and proposed his plan. God chose Jesus's plan, and so Satan got kicked out. On so many levels, that's incorrect, and it always caused me a problem of, well, why did God not choose Satan's plan? Especially because the way that his plan is usually described is, I will make everyone be righteous. I'll bring everyone back. Not only does it never say that in scripture, or to what I have found, uh, it is never said in any discussion from, from prophets, apostles, or leaders. That doesn't square at all with the nature of God, certainly not with the nature of the Savior or with the nature of the adversary. So Moses chapter 4 clarifies it, first of all, verse 2, that Jesus was the chosen from the beginning, meaning 
Heavenly Father did not hold a council and ask for plans. He already had a plan, and that plan already relied on Jesus being the chosen one, the Savior, the Creator, the Savior, and the central figure of the plan of salvation. Verse 3, Satan rebelled against me and sought to destroy the agency of man, not by forcing man to always choose righteousness, but as you read in the next couple of verses, it begins the story of Adam and Eve and Satan in the garden. And I think that outlines what it was that Satan was doing to try and destroy the agency of man. And it wasn't to force him to choose righteousness. It was to force him or to entice him to choose him. Notice that even though Adam and Eve are in the garden and they're walking and talking with God, when they choose to partake of the fruit, they're doing it at the invitation of the adversary. They're listening to the wrong voice. Now, they still made the right choice. And in that wonderful discussion, the, the question where God asked them what, where they're going and some additional commentary we have on that, we know that they were, they were making a righteous sacrifice. But I think at least in part, the transgression comes because they listened to the wrong voice. Uh, a more clear example is in chapter 5, verse 18, when Cain and Abel are offering their sacrifice, uh, Moses offers us some insight here too. And it's very clear. Verse 18, Cain loved Satan more than God and Satan commanded him saying, make an offering unto the Lord. So he's going to make an offering to the Lord, but he's following the wrong voice. Therefore, his offering is not accepted. In chapter 5, verse 5, when Adam offers sacrifice, it just says he gave, the Lord gave them commandments that they should worship the Lord their God and should offer the firstlings of their flocks for an offering unto the Lord. Adam's sacrifice is accepted because he's being obedient to the voice that tells him not just what to do it, but why to do it. Like you said, we're not just giving something up, we're giving something to God. And I think that's a significant point in understanding what we should sacrifice. That definitely kind of brings it back to that beginning point of whether it's tithing, whether it's your time in a calling, whether it's whatever the many things that you may be asked to sacrifice. Um, I think it's important to remember that question of who, what voice are you listening to? And also that idea of who are you doing something for? What's the motive behind it? And I think that that makes sacrifices sweeter and even easier because you recognize what they're really for. Well, you taught me that a couple of years ago when I was in a calling and I was really struggling with it because I was trying so hard to do so many things for other people. And you just asked me, who are you doing this calling for? Are you doing it for the other people or are you doing it for God? And that was such a huge shift in my mind of I'm giving up my time to God, not just to other people. And of course, loving others is a part of it, but that for me was huge. Or acceptability from other people. Like mm -hmm. what's, where are we wanting our, I shouldn't say praise or what, but that's not really how God pays us back necessarily. Right. But but that idea of, of who are you really serving in these callings and what are we using our time and our talents and our energies and our, our monies for? Yeah. So that brings up then I think the next question, which is once you know what it is that the Lord wants you to sacrifice and have, have identified within yourself that you really are giving that up or giving that to him. The next question is, how do you sacrifice uh, so that your sacrifice is respectable? When Cain and Abel offer their sacrifices, the Lord has respect upon Abel's sacrifice, but doesn't respect 
Cain's sacrifice. And uh, the Hebrew there connotes acceptance or, or honor given because of that sacrifice. So how do you sacrifice in a way that, that engenders that kind of response from God? Well, and I think that was helpful too, to kind of know that there's, I think many Bible commentaries suspect that there's more to the story just then your sacrifice wasn't good enough and yours wasn't. There's more to that, obviously, than that. But this question really had me thinking, and maybe it's a personal one for me because I've thought a lot about the idea of um, sacrificing or obedience and getting something back based on it. Like, what are our expectations when we sacrifice or when we do something for God or for the church? Um so the the thought that I had was what makes a good sacrifice is not one based on you give, I give, where there's these clear lines of I'm going to do this and you, God's going to give me back this thing. Um, I think that's a tricky one because I think I've, maybe for me, I say it personally, because I think I've lived some of my life with that mentality um, and have recently over the last few years just really thought deeply about that. Um, about that transactional faith. And I just, that's just not how God works. Um, And I love this example that we have in Moses 5. And this is verse 6. And after many days, an angel of the Lord appeared unto Adam, saying, Why dost thou offer sacrifices unto the Lord? And Adam said unto him, I know not, save the Lord commanded me. Um, It's not, it doesn't have anything to do with Adam saying, I know that he's going to do X, Y, Z for me if I do this one thing. Um, just that the Lord commanded me and asked me to do it. I think a much happier way to live instead of obeying or sacrificing because we're expecting this certain thing to happen is one of just the mentality, if anything, is I give because I've already been given. Recognizing that God has given us so much and so we want the opportunity to come closer to him through our sacrifice, through our obedience. And really those things are just tools that help us understand God better and how that he, how he wants us to enjoy and live our lives. Well, I think even in that verse you read, that's embedded in it. Why, once the angel explains to him, this sacrifice is a similitude of the sacrifice of the only begotten. You are to sacrifice, not so that you earn anything, but because the son of God has sacrificed himself for you. I think that's a yeah, it's just a beautiful perspective and a really healthy way to view giving up or giving things to God. Um, for me, one of the things I noticed that makes a sacrifice respectable, I really wrestled with, I, I have for a long time, with Cain and Abel's sacrifice and the difference between them. Uh, again, Moses helps a lot with this because it's very clear that Cain... Uh, from early on was listening to the voice of the adversary, sacrificed at his request, um, and and chose to turn his back on God, chose not to listen, whereas Abel did. But even if you just look at Genesis, there's enough there to get an understanding of the difference between these two sacrifices. So this is Genesis 4, verses 3 and 4. In the process of time... It came to pass that Cain brought of some of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Some of the other translations of the Bible include the word some in front of of, so that Cain brought some of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Verse 4, And Abel, 
he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. It's interesting to notice the comparison. Uh, when do Cain and Abel offer their sacrifices? For Cain, it's in the process of time, or at some time, or maybe a very liberal reading, when it was convenient. Whereas Abel offered the very firstlings of the flock, again, like he was, like Adam was commanded, and assumedly like he was commanded to do. The second thing is Cain offered some of the fruits of the ground. He offered some of the things that he, you know, I had this image of him gathering together some of the things, some of the fruits that he got and giving them as a sacrifice. Whereas Abel offered the fat thereof, the very best part of, of his uh, sacrifice he offers. And I think those two principles, an early sacrifice and the best sacrifice, for me were personally really meaningful. To make it practical, when I think of sacrifice, I almost always think of time. For me, that's always what I'm wrestling with, what I don't feel like I have enough of, what I feel like I have to give up in one place. And as I thought of this this week, um, two thoughts came to me. One, I need to set aside some time, more clear and more um, sacred time, to be with God, to ponder, to think, um, to rest, and not to focus on tasks or to-dos, but to really worship. But then the question is, okay, well, when do I set that? What kind of time do I set aside? It would be really easy to say after the kids go to bed, you know, 10 o'clock at night, I've got a nice hour there before I go to sleep. That's the time that I'll give him. The problem is I'm so exhausted. That is hardly my best time. And it's definitely not the earliest time. And so the thought came to me, what if I offered an early bit of time? It's often when I am most awake, most alert, um, and and I can offer him the firstlings of my time and the best time. Now, that was the answer for me, but I think as you look at your own sacrifices, those two principles can be really helpful in figuring out uh, how to sacrifice in a way that is respectable to the Lord. So our last question is, what will happen after I sacrifice? And maybe this goes back to some of the other questions that we've asked about that transactional faith or things, but the things that the scripture that stood out to me were a, was were a couple of scriptures actually, but this one says it best. This is Ch Genesis chapter three, verse 23. And I'll note that I'm actually reading, I will be reading most of this year from a different translation of the Bible. Um, and so the words are a little different, which makes it fun for us to kind of compare. But this one specifically has a different word in it. It says, so the Lord God sent him away from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. Now in the King James, this is usually the word that says till, um, same meaning, of course, but the work, I guess, stood out to me for that reason. There's a couple other um, times that it mentions this work that they have to do. Um, and I like this. So what happened after this great sacrifice? I think usually we think like, I'm making this great sacrifice. I want to see right now the blessings from it, right? It needs to be right there. <laughs> or maybe that's that transactional faith mentality. But here, Adam and Eve are sent to work. And it talks about, I don't know, I picture them Maybe it's because we talk a lot about the dust of the earth with Adam and Eve and that they're sent into this wilderness. But I'm picturing him just tilling this dry ground. Like, 
I'm working on this ground that's not really fruitful. I left this beautiful, fruitful land, and now I'm doing this really hard, dirty, dusty thing. <laughs> um, and I think that's how we can often feel in life. I know I have a lot of the times, or we're expecting that to happen. I, I think I alluded in the past week or two, one of the last episodes, about a dishwasher issue that we've been having. <laughs> and so I thought, oh, this is a fun story to tell, a quick story. Um, but I think we get into that a lot. Like, we want this reward. So if we're using our dishwasher breaking as an example. The parable of the dishwasher. There you go. Um, loosely, loosely based of, on real events. And of course, it's not about anyone that's <laughs> around right now, Zach. Um, but what what... What happened was, and maybe this is a parable of you, actually, because this happens a lot. Like, you know what? I'm going to fix this dishwasher. I am going to learn how to do it because... And sacrifice my time and sacrifice my worth, effort. It will be worth the sacrifice if I, I... And I think I can figure out things. I can order some parts and I'm going to make this work and it's going to be a better thing and I'll see the reward. Which, to be honest, you have been rewarded sometimes for fixing things. So sometimes I'm not, it works. I'm not saying that. But when it doesn't work, when you go to all the effort and weeks without a dishwasher, um, hint, I mean, not hint, hint, but <laughs> I have to add that part in, um, that you think, I put all that work in. This was supposed to work. How often have we, have, has anyone in all of us said that, right? This was supposed to work. I put this work in, I made the sacrifice and this was supposed to work and it didn't work the way that I wanted it to. Um, and I think that is a great parable for life because sometimes that it doesn't work that way. We don't know when the quote unquote blessings will come or when we'll see the rewards for our sacrifice or maybe sometimes the rewards and I'm using the quotes for that. The rewards maybe don't exist because they come in a very different way than we would have ever expected or hoped for even. Yeah. Yeah. Again, completely a hypothetical parable, not based on real events at all. <laughs> But the principle is so true that when we sacrifice, we often expect immediate reward, immediate release, things to get immediately better, right? I'm going to give up the Garden of Eden so that I can receive this much more lush and beautiful garden. And for Adam and Eve, the reality is I give up the garden to get a bunch of dust. Um, so I love that principle. It goes, I think this is Genesis chapter four, but um, this is a bad example. But after Cain gives his sacrifice, which is not respected, all is not lost. The Lord tells him in verse 7, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? In other words, there is still a possibility for work. Whether your sacrifice goes well or doesn't go well, there's still room for work and growth afterwards. It's not a single sacrifice that brings an eternal reward. It's a life built, creating from last week and sacrificing from this week. So as you study this week, ask yourself these questions. Um, receive your own personal inspiration insight. What is it the Lord wants you to sacrifice? How does he want you to sacrifice? And what might be the results that will come because of the sacrifices? Thank you so much for studying with us this week. We'll see you next episode.